right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. Uh, if you're here, it means hopefully you got through part one of our Interstellar review and you're excited for more. So I uh, hope you enjoy part two of our review. This is going to cover uh, mostly just what goes on in space, the whole crew, kind of their exploration to these other planets. And uh, we'll just kind of catch up and follow the narrative from there. So again, thanks for joining us for part two of our Interstellar review. Cooper's in space with the crew now. Uh, he's with Doyle. West Bentley. West Bentley, that's it. And uh, can you say this guy's name? I, I feel like I'm going to butcher it. I'll give it a go. Romilly? Yeah, David Gassi. Okay. I was, I was going to say like Gaiassi. Uh, Gaiassi? Yeah. I don't know. Probably, possibly, but it looks more like Gia. Okay. That, okay. That's fine. I wanted to let you have a, have a go at it. Yeah. I'll, I'll take on all of the criticism. Yeah. And then Anne Hathaway's character, uh, Dr. Brand. So that's your, that's your Amelia crew. Amelia, too. Yeah. Just in case we want to, like, there's Professor Brand and Dr. Brand. So Amelia, and his name is actually John in the in the credits. Not that it matters. I, yeah. I'm just going to call him the professor anyways. Yeah, I think they just always refer to him as Professor Brand or Dr. Brand. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, yeah, she, it, she's almost never referred to as Amelia. It's only by Professor Brand is the only one who refers to her as Amelia. Yeah, yeah. Coop, Coop's first name is actually <clears throat> Joseph. Yeah, uh, which is... I Joey found Cooper. that out. I found that out when I kind of read the notes that you have on this because I don't know that I ever looked it up or cared. He's just always called Cooper in this. It's not. Yeah, it's literally. It's never stated. Yeah. So I know I, it's his last name. Like I knew that. Like, which is what's weird. Later, uh, Tom has a son and he wants to name him Coop. He wants to name him Cooper. I was like, so he'd be Cooper Cooper. I think they're just calling him by his last name. No, yeah. no, they yeah. want they, his first yeah. name is Coop. It's it's literally Coop Cooper. Are you serious? Yeah. 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 He's a farmer, so I'm I'm giving him like yeah, you know, like obviously you name a, a child that I can see that that being your creative limit, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um, Jesus Christ! But that's why I thought that's why I thought that was weird. He's like, oh, we were gonna call him Coop, but his wife says no. I can't believe he went through one kid and it was like it still hung with him. God, we really got to name this next one Coop. It's yeah, just like it's it just it just flows off the tongue, don't it? Yeah, um, Coop Cooper, <laughs> Coop Cooper. Yeah, so I, I, I like when they get to space. And this is kind of the first time we haven't talked about the score a ton except that we like it. This is the first time that I think the score, it's such a huge element within the scene. It's when they're going to take the uh, the ship that they're on and dock it with the Endurance. And Doyle is uh, at the controls to dock it to the ship and this theme starts playing. And it's a th- the theme appears again in the film during a later docking scene when uh, Matt Damon's character is trying to dock and then it kind of gets really ramped up but it's I love how they use the score in this to and it, it when it reappears it's like it's telling this story and I don't know if you guys notice that like I I, I love that mm-hmm. about this movie it's, it feels like these different elements within the score reappear when there's like kind of a similar situation going on and I love that this is kind of the first time I think the score is really involved in the scene yeah when they take certain refrains and then they put them in other places to um to modulate the uh, the tension with different instrumentation or a different tempo, but still um, within the same musical idea. Yeah, and I, I love. I mean, I love. I love it when that when the when the phrase is something as interesting as what's happening here. I love the score and that it happens so many other places. I skip most of the songs until I get to the 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 one main yeah. the stay song. Ah, yeah, there's so yeah. strong. Yeah. Uh, I love too, like so the the score there, and then this is where the cinematography really opens up, and we get the the full effect of the IMAX and and the the human insignificance on a cosmic canvas, where we have the endurance passing in front of Saturn, and I love that. 
I love that scene. And then it's so cool because it's intercut with the um, Cooper's given Romilly his headphones and he's listening to kind of like rainforest sounds. And you're contrasting human experience. And I, I feel like I say that a lot. I, I, I got to come up with some more synonyms for, <laughs> for what this is. But it's like it's it's the the insignificance of a, of a tiny blue marble and what's happening on that being carried through space. And that's a great Sagan reference. Yeah. I mean, this 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 whole film has Sagan's uh, fingerprints all over. Yeah, exactly. And um and that's and that's what I love, and that's why why eventually, like when we get more towards the end, um, why the emotions hit so hard for me is because the science is so plausible and so real. This is something that absolutely could happen. This is absolutely something that we could experience. Right, and to to give that kind of realism for what space will look like, what space will feel like for explorers. You also get introduced to Case. He's on board the Endurance already. Mm. Uh, he's another uh, pneumatic machine, just like Tars. Uh, and I, I like. I think he's probably a Decepticon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that they're they're both different enough. Like they they I mean physically that it's the same thing, but they both have like a different attitude and tone to their character, which mm. I think is is good because I think you could just basically be like, oh, these just come off the line, and and they, when we put them into service, and they're it's just a, it's just a machine that does what we want but they they both have like a personality uh, they both have like robust personalities which is like they're also different yeah by the other characters like when he's like what's your humor at 100 percent it's like bring it down 75 yeah. like and <clears throat> i mean it seems like the and their settings are obviously different here and tars is a more funny yeah yeah character. that's what i'm saying is like yeah. yeah one of them one of like i think case is like a more soft-spoken character and Tars, I, I would think of the two of them. I think of him as like more the veteran one. Like he he has a voice that he's and he's willing to share a lot more than cases. Like yeah, I think mm-hmm. Case is more like a he's he's there to like kind of serve a function and he's fine with that. Like he knows he has a job and he's willing to carry that out. And Tars is I think more involved. Yeah, I do like how their voices are different too. Yeah, because I I don't really like I don't care for that in um you know I'm sure it's going to be pra- it's practical in actual you know real terms but if you if it's a sci-fi movie it's that you know it's it's science fantasy we, right. we there's a there's enough creative license that you should be able to put another voice in so that we have another character that we as an audience can enjoy yeah i totally agree um i think i said already bill bill Irwin voice tars and then josh stewart voices case and yeah i think they're both great i, I love i love the interactions with uh tars and case they, yeah. they're their own characters they're not just like some automaton that's there to be commanded and, and told what to do yeah even though that's the way coop treats them there's there's a nice little subtext of um human uh, of uh, machine sentience as yeah. it relates like to a human sentience you know there's that's insignificant but the you know how much different are robots possibly if we allow them to be exactly yeah it's a cool it's a cool bit i like um they've arrived at the spaceship and they're gonna go down they're gonna they're heading to Saturn, which is where the wormhole is, but they have to, they basically go into like a cryo sleep because it's a two year journey. Because again, the, all the rules of space travel, like in physics, still apply. They don't just warp to it, it takes them a long time to get to Saturn. And so they, mm-hmm. they go to sleep in these cool beds. So, scientifically speaking, I still don't get cryo sleep, don't understand why it's in any movie, don't understand how it would ever work. I like that they gloss over in this because, because like you're going to get up and your muscles aren't going to work. At all, because you haven't been using them for two years. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they could design systems that va- basically vibrate your body. Yeah, they, but they're sitting in pools of water, so that's not happening. Yeah, it's a, I mean, have you never been in a hot tub? Been in a hot tub. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I that 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 part of the science. Uh, that's not concerned. Yeah. Kip was not concerned about that science. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is more about physics, the science of physics, not biological science. So I was fine a that they. Bit. I, I I'm okay with them glossing over that because I think the real kind of the showstopper is in terms of science is the, the physics surrounding this. Yeah, I, I don't really care all that's the great. I'm just saying in every sci-fi movie where space travel, yeah. this always happens, and I still just don't see how it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, I get it's it. just in, it's just entered into the collective unconscious yeah. now. You just accept we can, it. We can go to sleep and live forever. Yeah. I love like the, one day Walt Disney is going to be walking the Earth again, yeah. <laughs> or Saturn. You know, when we eventually exhaust all of the Earth's resources, yeah. and Tight. Mickey Mouse is reborn on the rings of Saturn. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I hope Disney is gone by then. This Disney will never be gone. It's going to outlive all of us. Um, I do love the look of the bed. So I think it's. I think you have these kind of in all these sci-fi movies. They step into some like kind of clear gizmo and it has like a big window on it and they, they get like flash frozen and it has all these like wacky controls on the yeah. side or depressurized yeah and this one's kind of cool it's like a it's almost like a coffin it's like this sort of and it's like got it the, reminds me of uh vivarium when they are shoved in the body bags yeah it's yeah. a lot like yeah. it, it is a lot like that and it, when they they there's a point where they release someone from a from the cryosleep and it, they do they kind of like pull it apart and unzip it like a it is like a body bag it's, mm-hmm. it is a it's kind of a chilling feeling to yeah. see them get into them yeah and it makes a lot of sense that these things are filled with water since we are creatures that evolved from the ocean and our bodies need the water so to design a system that um you know without explaining it just being like obvious like we all need water so you know the stuff of life yeah as yeah. as they as they talk about the kilometer tall waves yeah i like um so before cooper gets into his uh cryo sleep bed he's having a conversation with tars the first scene where you kind of get this like really cool relationship that's built between cooper and tars and uh he's asking him he's you know to kind of explain his uh dr brand's relationship with wolf edmonds and he's like i have a discretion setting as well and he's like but not a poker face slick (laughs) it's just great so i guess uh he was that's how he talked on set to bill Irwin. he would just uh matthew mcconaughey would just call him slick and he had all these like fun names for him so they'd just be hanging out on set and be like oh what's up slick (laughs) and and i love that that got carried over into the into the movie that's why Mm -hmm. he just seems like such a genuine guy and this performance seems so genuine because it's it's kind of just matthew mcconaughey but as a as a, a space pilot yeah exactly and it, it does it, feel like yeah. his his it actual is. persona so that's kind of an issue i had with it is that he just seems like he's matthew conaghy being a an astronaut i don't feel like he's playing a partic- character particular he's just being himself gotcha no i i, I that's a yeah. fair point that's a totally fair point yeah. it does it, it, maybe he's not opening up his range as wide as he could because he's kind of just he's kind of just being all right, all right, all right. Well, I yeah. think that's why they cast him. Yeah, is they I, wanted him to be Matthew McConaughey in for this sure. movie. Yeah. yeah, I I think he fits the role, but I also don't think he's. I I think he performs really well, and I think he does these great emotional scenes. But he's still yeah. he's just he is just kind of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, his, which yeah. to me totally works. But yep. um, so yeah, yeah so Matthew I, McConaughey with that depth of emotion, yeah, is it's crazy. I mean, you feel every because because that's really um it goes hand in hand with the score at that part especially when um yeah in so many parts I, we'll get we'll get to more of them when we get there but we need to talk about the wormhole before that so one line that anna hathaway says to uh cooper before they go into cryo sleep is she's like you're literally wasting your breath yeah yeah which i love that line yeah. yeah but i agree we should move on to the wormhole yeah, and so ah, this, this is my favorite visual part of the entire film. Really, this yeah. is your favorite. Ah, I yeah. don't know about, but I don't know about even that. beyond the black hole and the other planets. This uh, is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Well, I will change your mind about the black hole because the 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 physics behind the black hole and why it looks the way it does is 
fascinating. That's all fine. So is the wormhole. The wormhole is pretty, and it's just, I mean, it's stunning to look at. The way they made this, I mean, is it's phenomenal. Yeah. Before so, before you get into the science behind it, because mm. and I want you to explain it, because uh, I think you do a good job of it. Um, do you think that that the science of that is explained well? Because it, it's because it, they kind of do like a dumb. You got to dumb down some of this stuff that way. Otherwise, this is just not digestible for a general audience. And they use a a kind of a Romley's explaining to Cooper, which Cooper should know this. Like he's also like an engineer. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. But they need to have this exposition exposition in that way the audience can understand. It's like what's a circle in three dimensions? A sphere. And then he does that thing that is in like every movie with like a tesseract or a a wormhole in it, it's like you, he folds the paper in half yep. and then pokes the pencil through it. It's this convention that kind of shows up whenever you want to explain uh, wormholes and how you travel yeah. through them. Yeah, because that's honestly the only way to explain it. Yeah. You have to suppress one of the higher dimensions so that it is two-dimensional. Right. Um, because otherwise it's it's not, it's not possible to understand how four dimensions work to us. Because the way, the way dimensions work is they're at transverse angles to the vertices of the lower dimension, which makes no sense. But when you visualize how we create points and then lines, we make a line from the point, and then we make a square by going at transverse 90 degree angles to the ends of the line, right? And then we get a square. And then to get a cube, we go at 90 degrees to each of the vertices. Each point of the square is a vertice, uh, vertex, and we go 90 degrees from there. So we go straight up, and we get a cube. Well, where do you go in four, in four dimensions? You go at 90 degrees to the vertex, which is impossible in three dimensions. Right. So which is why you get a tesseract. It's a, it's a cube within a cube. But the, the fourth dimension is this this fourth spatial dimension. The, the, uh, the fourth dimension um, in our universe is time. Um, but this they treat the the fifth dimension as being the next spatial one. So right. I will talk about four spatial dimensions, but the fourth dimension is time. So in the fifth dimension is how this works is you have um, the um, the wormhole as as envisioned as a sphere. And it the way this works is you have to think of our three dimensions as a brain, like a thin sheet of something. And then the fifth spatial dimension is this tightly curled, it's, it's only about a millimeter and a half thick um, space around our three dimensions. And what's happening is that is, uh, that is getting warped so that we travel around and through it, through another, so that we're another place in three dimensional space. So, that that's what's so so weird about wormholes is they're not actually naturally occurring. They're they work by the math, but yeah. and my understanding they, is like it's theoretically possible, but it's like how could this occur? So the the only naturally occurring wormholes we think are possible exist uh, as a quantum quirk, but they they would uh, there's something called quantum foam. the The largest one that we could possibly that that is possible would be one um, hundredth of a billionth of a billionth the size of an atom's nucleus. <laughs> that's so, very, very small. So that is the, that's, those are the only naturally forming ones. The reason that, and that's why who, they keep saying who put it there. Because the only reason that you get a wormhole to stay stable and stay open is you have to, um, you have, to have exotic matter that has negative mass. Mm-hmm. So in order to, which is possible, we have... Um, seen that uh in 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 places uh very very tiny amounts at 
at quantum levels. And if you collected enough of that, if a, an advanced spe- uh, species were able to harness enough of it, they could theoretically um, create a wormhole and hold it open through running it, by running it through with all of this exotic matter. So that's why it's it's like who do we have to thank because we know that's the only way it would be there right we we kind of glossed over that we we just talked about that there's this anomaly and there's this wormhole they're going to travel through but they we didn't really touch on it is it's implied that someone put it there they call them the the bulk beings yeah and so the bulk is the fifth spatial dimension right so um the bulk is that thin layer that exists around our our three dimen- our three dimensional space. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very plausible that it could happen. It it doesn't violate any of the any of the laws. We just don't know if it's um, if it's practical. Right. If it, if um, the amount of resources required to harness it is is even possible. Yeah. But and so Kip actually said that there were uh, a couple weeks where he that he spent trying to um, convince Christopher Nolan that there that he want he wanted to have characters fast travel faster than than light right and he was like no we can't do that we can't do that and finally he rewrote the script for yeah, for that yeah. very reason because it's that. like and that i think that would that movie if if this were that we traveled faster than the speed of light and it's not within the framework of what we think is possible there is there's like a weird quirk with black, black holes that it's might be possible mm-hmm. um but if any other context, it's not possible. So if they were to put this in, this movie instantly goes down. That's like, what I'm talking about. It's like several yeah, letter grades for me. Put the put technology like stuff from the USS Enterprise into this movie, and it it, it collapses in on itself. It doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the sound design for them going through the wormhole too. You hear like the ship is traveling, and there's all this rattling, and they're they're traveling through, and it's like, what do we do? And he's like, nothing. You you just have to sit there. And yeah, you, hope you get through. So because that at that point they're they're in the they're in the bulk. So there, so what's inter- what's weird is that three dimensional things can't exist in the fourth in the fourth spatial dimension, which is why he's saying that the controls don't work. Yeah, because it's not it's not the same type of physics um, that we would that we would associate with it. They arrive in this new solar system, uh, and they're going to decide which planet to go to. There's Dr. Miller has a planet. She's sending out data that is like promising. Um, Dr. Mann is sending out. Uh, a signal that says it's good to land here. This is this planet's habitable. And then Wolf Edmonds, uh, he's he has like no signal. No, he does. No, he does have a signal. Well, it's, I guess he his it's, signal, it started and then stopped. Yeah, dropped yeah. like so they, three years prior. So they they're not sure if he like he thought it was good and now it's it's no good and that's why he shut the signal off. So they they're trying to assess what planet they're going to go to. And I think what's kind of weird about this whole scene is it seems like there was no kind of hierarchy. Like who's in charge? Yeah, it's like, right. Because like kind of Doyle saying like we should go to this planet because it's like we're getting a, uh, a I think he describes it as like a very unambiguous uh, signal that this is a this is this is good to go. Like we're good to go here. This is a this is a place that's habitable. This is exactly what we're looking for. The tension comes from how are they going to arrive, go to that planet without wait, spending too much time because mm-hmm. it's so close to Gargantua that the time dilation would be so significant that yeah, I think Cooper says he's like there's no point in doing this mission if everyone's dead before we can figure it out. Right. And so they because, figure out. So that's one thing I really do have an issue with this film is they, they don't tell them that Plan A isn't real, which absolutely compromises everything they are trying to do because they act incredibly rash in in situations to try to make Plan A work. They should absolutely know that Plan A is not something that 
is even in the works. I, I agree with you. It, but to me, then it eliminates a ton of tension in the movie. It's just like, okay, they just travel there and now they're just going to check out planets and then set up shop. That's it. Like that's the end of your movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like this movie ends as soon as they arrive in the solar system and pick a planet to land on. So the fact that mm-hmm. plan A, there is this kind of deception going on there, I think it, that makes uh, causes a lot of tension in the film. I and actually it, think that there is a way that you could you could fix it though. If if they if they did everything and sent back quantum data right. to actually solve that, and then all of a sudden you do have uh, a universe where it is possible to build these machines and a real plan A does come out of it. But then this is just more of a uh, a practical. Yeah, no, I get it. I think for this story, I like that it's I like that it has that kind of deception in it. Yeah. Again, everything in this movie works for me. But do you guys kind of get that feeling? It's like there's no who's in charge here because like Cooper has ideas. Brand has ideas. Doyle has ideas. Romilly is kind of the only one who's like seems like this objective observer. And he's just kind of uh, gives his opinion, but he doesn't really like uh, he doesn't want to like have something go one way or the other based on his decision, I think. I just thought it was weird. I think it's like, why is there, why is no one seem to be in charge of this mission that is literally supposed to save humanity? Like, why is no one, there's no leader here. I did like it as a, as a thematic choice because it's, uh, it's the whole of humanity rather than a, a hierarchy. But obviously I think hierarchies work better in intense situations where snap decisions need to be made. Yeah. And I think kind of Cooper ends up stepping into that role, which makes sense to me. I mean, he's your, he's your lead actor. You're going to have that character step in and take that role. It just is weird to me how he ends up. It doesn't seem, I don't know. It, it, he just he just starts doing it. There wasn't like a there wasn't like a set plan. Which yeah, there's by always, the virtue of his yeah. personality. Yeah, there's always a commander in these. I mean, there's a commander on the ISS. There's a commander, a part of every every mission that ever t- leaves Earth. There's there's someone in charge of it, and so it's, just, it's odd to me that there's no one in charge of this. So they decide they're going to land on Miller's planet, your water planet, um, and I want to talk about how the score. I think is so involved in this scene. Every it, there's this like metronome sort of clicking sound added into the score, and every time that beat comes up, it represents a day passing on Earth. It's 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 to me, it's almost like using time as a character within this scene to like constantly remind you that th- they're up against the clock here. It's, yeah, it's pressure. Yeah, involved here. That's why I think this is such a tense scene. It's not only is it the waves and and kind of this terribly dangerous situation there, and it's just like it just kind of the just the presence of that sound is a constant reminder that time, you know, you're on the clock. It just needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it, that right there, I mean, creates a lot of pressure in the situation. They need to hurry up. And especially Cooper's character is super drawn to the time here because he doesn't, he wants to miss Matt. He wants to miss as less time as he can with his family. Right. And so that's why I think like in the ship, he was like hesitant towards going to this planet in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he's kind of the one who argues against it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a great part of the, the scene as well. Yeah, I love the fact that they brought time dilation into uh, into the film because time dilation is a fascinating quirk of special relativity that you know no one really no one really brings up, and it it's it's even weirder to think about how they they've been time dilated ever since they left Earth um, because they're experiencing gravity differently than they were on earth. So already it was happening. So to then to bring in like these massive forces, like they talked about like, uh, Miller's planet experienced, um, 0.55 C, which is they were basically experiencing time at half the speed of light. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, and that's relative to the earth. So that's, Ah, it's 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 amazing to think about all of those differences. And then when they were parked in orbit, they were experiencing it at a point three C. Mm-hmm. So, ah, it's just it's just wonderful. Uh, so cool to see. 
and then I, to make it like the tension, yeah. you know, the conflict. Do you think that the time dilation is explained well on this planet? It, the explanation kind of comes after uh, this. They experience like the, there's a wave. They, they realize they're in a swell, like they're in between two waves. Yeah. And they like initially think they're mountains, mountains over there. And I, I yeah, love that waves. she thinks they're yeah. mountains. First. Yeah, yeah. That part's awesome. They look like it when you first landed, like off in the horizon. Yeah. Oh, those are those are mountains. What a beautiful planet. Yeah. Yeah clearly not dangerous at all <laughs> so they they realize that miller isn't there there's just like the wreckage of her ship and so they their next plan is like okay we need to get the data the, the kind of the black box and get it back to the ranger and then they're going to leave because like now they realize this this big wave's coming and uh dr branch kind of gets stuck under some debris and i think this is going to be your first really cool visual effects shot with um with is it case on the planet with them or is it tars yeah case it's, it's case, case yeah. and i think it's so cool he he becomes like kind of that pinwheel just rolls and go gets her. Yeah, yeah. That, that scene's really cool. They they had like a an ATV with like these really thin wheels that so we could cut through the water, and then they had basically a kind of a big t- uh, case spoke, mm-hmm. uh, practical like uh, piece that they just really? kind of spun around. That's neat. Yeah, that's yeah. Really it cool. was on, and it spun around in the water, and I think it it works because then they use that the water that it pushes in the actual scene, and then the visual effects artists also now they have a reference. They they there's something practical there that they can then base their digital version on, and that's why I think all this stuff, all the visual effects shot works so well. It doesn't ever seem out of place or janky. It's because they have this great reference because there's always something practical on set for them to base what they're doing off of. Yeah, and it's I just think it's really cool. I love these. Uh, I just love these pneumatic machines. They're so <laughs> neat. They're so cool. They're very cool. And, and so the only other thing that uh, quibble that I have about why they even went to Man's uh, Miller's planet in the first place is. You know, when they realized that she'd only been there, uh, like she had crashed like hours before, that they would have seen that there is no data when they got through the the wormhole. They would yeah. have seen that there is almost there's there's no way that they could know. They would just know water, you know. So it would be very clear that um, I think yeah. they just misinterpret what the message is, and that's why they decide to land. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it, small it, quibble for me. Yeah, I just think the scene is so good that. I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter how they get there. I just think it's it's so it's so good that you need to find a way to get there, and I think it's done well enough. Yeah. Did you guys feel anything when uh when Doyle dies? Nope. I, Were we I, not one that yeah. we supposed to? I, I don't know. Yeah. See, yeah. I don't either, and I'm sad that I don't because he's not he's not a big enough part of this movie for it to matter. It's, he's almost like an absent character throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Like he's there, but he's not. Just a device. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of a. Like I, I get much more connected to the other characters. Like Romley is, I really like his character. Yeah. yeah. Even, even like by the time we get to Miller's planet, he's a, he's a character that it would have been sad to see die. Yeah. Whereas with Doyle, I was like, and I it, think it felt like, yeah. it felt like he was sacrificial lamb. Like, like that's kind of why he was there was yeah. to die. Yeah. That's the whole point of him being in Like the why movie. was he there in the first place? I think the reason I'm also <laughs> more connected to Romley is because there's that scene, like I said, we talked about earlier where they're passing Saturn. He gives him the headphones and. Romley's like kind of having this sort of internal problem where he's like, he's like, it's just a couple millimeters of like aluminum between us and nothing. Yeah. I love the way he said it It was so poetic, just millimeters between us and nothing that wouldn't kill us within seconds or millions of miles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably why me and probably people watching just your general audience is going to gravitate more towards Romley as a likable character or some of you care more about is because they had this cool character moment with him. Mm-hmm. I think that Doyle's death could have mattered if there's a 
good character moment with him. There isn't. There wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. But and it I also would have felt weird. Like it would if if you gave one to Doyle, it would have felt like okay, let's check off. It would have felt much like Vivarium. Like yeah, we, we gotta let's get uh, all of our uh, check this box off. So, like so a, you guys feel something about this character? I yeah. think it's okay that he was just kind of there and then he just kind of died. It yeah. almost seemed like a video game objective. It's like talk to this person in the in the in the yeah. town. Talk to this person yeah. at the market. I just skipped that one. Yeah, so all let's of, keep going. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> all of the all of Miller's planet was just a fetch quest and like yeah, oh right. you you, the, you were a part of the whole bigger plot the whole time right. you were just a piece i do just i yeah i agree with you guys i felt nothing when doyle died yeah so yeah so then they i, I think that it, it almost works in reverse how they explain time dilation like they yeah so that's different than time dilation though his the reason it came up there is because uh coop wanted to make up the time right that's right. not and that's not possible because romilly did talk about special relativity before uh, uh, in terms of time dilation before they got yeah. there he says like that's relativity folks yeah, exactly. yeah i love i love like his matter of factness like like we're all a room full of scientists why am i the only one that gets it <laughs> and so this is another kind of christopher nolan problem where so they have this whole exposition between brand and cooper explaining like time might be something that like the bulk beings can use it might be uh traveling forward in time is like going up a mountain or traveling back in time would be walking into a valley but for them it's not and it's like and then she even says to Cooper, she's like, you knew about relativity before you came on this mission. And it's like, that's just a big bit of dialogue that is just to tell the viewer to make sense. Like, yeah. it's just dialogue put in that way we can understand what's yeah. going on. There's like we have a little bit here. It says, it says time relativity. Yeah, it's in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, yep. There is like a little bit. So like the way that, um, uh, so it's the, it's referred to as the Einstein Rosen bridge. That's uh one version of, uh, of the wormhole. And what it is, is it's actually singularities from, uh, black holes reaching out to each other. So that's, that's kind of where that comes. Why can't we just fly into a black hole and, uh, go somewhere, you know, yeah. because that's an idea, you know, for people that don't quite get all of the special, cause there's an amazing amount of physics inside of a black hole that is so confusing um, that someone that has a general sense of it could could make it th- seem like it's plausible, and so that's why I I'm okay with a little bit more explanation there. In 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 um in addition to it just being a plot device to help uh, uh, more casual viewers. Yeah, yeah, I it, it works fine. I just I can watch this and know what it is there for. It's not it's not there to be like make these characters seem any smarter or advance the plot in any way. It's just it's to me it's kind of there to just explain to the viewer. In case you didn't catch what's happening here, this is how time works in yep. this in this movie. Yeah, and also how uh, um, desperate Coop was. I think that's the other thing is like he he may or may not know um, the same amount of um, science behind special relativity or general relativity either um, as uh, Amelia, but he wants to throw all of that away and just throw every possible. Uh, uh, like idea out there like how can I how, how can I because it yeah. is it's still it's still a story about a man and a father and a daughter it's like he's so concerned with this time he's going to lose with his daughter and his family and stuff so it's like yeah he's like uh, throwing anything at the wall hoping it sticks and, yeah because yeah. I don't care if I die now because what's the point like the whole point was getting back yeah right so then they get back to the uh, their main ship and uh, Romley's awake and it's been 23 years I got the number right this time so don't don't go like 23 years, four months, and... God damn it. Of course he's closer. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, I just watched that part before I came over. And it was just... 
Just needed to make sure I yeah. knew more about your own movie than <laughs> <Damn> you. <it. laughs> I do like. Although that. I feel like you knew more about the fountain than I did. Like you were like, yeah, the piece of bread with the hair. And I was like, what? Oh yeah. Did we even watch the same movie? Um, I like. We talked about it in a uh, our review of Green Knight, where it's like all you have to do is put some gray in a guy's beard. Yeah, and you, it's you just the same thing that happens here. Yeah, <laughs> Rob a little got bit a more straggly. <laughs> straggly. Yeah. He's got some gray in it. That's it's all got, you have to do, and you totally buy twenty yeah. years. Twenty three years went by. Right. <laughs> He's got the the same haircut, even. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, I don't know. That that that's always something that's kind of funny to me. Is like. Yeah, they all have so, the exact same hair. So never, never grew, huh? It's yep. twenty-three years. Twenty-three. I, I years. Where did like, it go? I assume Tars can cut hair, and they just eject it into space. It yeah, okay. Matter. That's what I assume. <laughs> um, twenty-three years of food supplies there too, as well. Well, so he says he had a because uh, a couple. Brand nights. says like, why didn't you sleep? And he's like, I had a couple long stints. Yeah, but he's like, then I sort of thought I was wasting my life away. I I think about that too, which is something we talked about in Up. Like, how is he going to survive there? Yeah, how is he going to run out of food? And to me, that's not the point of that movie. It's the point is not like how what is his food supply, and that's the same in this. Yeah, like, it, Romley's food rations is not a part of the narrative. It's funny because so that's like literally why they're leaving the planet because they're running out of food. Yeah, that's kind of a, <laughs> that's kind of pointy, actually. Uh, so all they're eating is corn here, then. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Oh my god! Yeah. Just like crates and crates of corn. Yeah, no, just, like, oh it makes me think of like it's a Family Guy episode, <laughs> and they just like break off a piece of the wild corn. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of like astronauts. This like this is the best of humanity in, in our greatest technology, and they're sitting around at a table like chucking corn. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like real old fashioned thing. <laughs> That's a really funny thing I've seen in my head. Um, and then it, it leads into, I think this is one of Matthew McConaughey's best scenes. It, it's a very emotional, visceral scene where he's they've received messages this whole time from Earth. Yeah, and it's so he has twenty three years of logs to go through of of he, these messages from from Tom, and because it's it's extra sad because uh, Murph doesn't send him any until the very end. You find out Murph send one, sends yeah. one, but I hate that this scene kind of became like a meme because it, it was like because Matthew McConaughey, really? yeah, so he's like crying. He's like at first it's like kind of tears of joy because Tom's like he's like doing well in school, he's found a girl. Uh, he gets married. They have a kid, and he's like, he's like happy. It's this like really emotional scene, and then it kind of switches when Tom talks about like his first son's died. Uh, the uh, Donald dies. The uh, grandpa dies. He says we buried him out back next to mom, and he's like, that's where we would bury you if you ever came back. And Jesse. Yeah, and yeah, it, yep. yeah. And so then it changes to this very sad emotional scene, and then you start to realize like, and he, uh, Tom keeps saying like Murph isn't. Murph doesn't want to talk to you. And so it's, it, it, it starts out kind of happy and then it becomes very sad. Very, very sad. Yeah. And when I say it became a meme, it, it is, like, it's a very popular meme. Yeah. It was like I've when, the, seen it. it was like, you know, those reaction videos where it's like, Oh, so-and-so reacts to the star Wars trailer and it'll just be some streamer, some YouTube personality. It's just their reaction to it. It's the dumbest fucking thing ever. But it would be like Matthew McConaughey reacts to the Star Wars trailer, and it's like him crying, and it yeah. cuts to like Kylo Ren like pulling out the lightsaber with like the the little cross guards on it, and he's like crying, like yeah, it's stuff like that. So I hate that that scene became mean because it's such an emotionally powerful scene, and I hate that it's like a joke now. Yeah, it, it's it's a one. That's what the internet does, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It ruins. I mean, it makes it makes good things out of bad things, and bad things out of good things. Yeah, it does things. Yeah, but to, too uh, yeah. many things. To me, to me <laughs> that's a. That's a really powerful scene. I wonder, like, what do you guys think? Did, did do you buy into like the emotion? Yeah, absolutely. There, um, I think like, I mean, the biggest home, the biggest home hitter there is for him. Like, there's still no message from Murph. Mm-hmm. 
after all this time, she still hasn't gotten over it, which is kind of like what I think he's feeling. But from Murph's standpoint, I feel like she feels guilty about not ever saying goodbye to him. Yeah. As no. Well. Yeah. Because that's how the kind of that scene ends is. Uh, oh no! It, it, it's just before Murph's message, and this is such a good part of the sound design of that scene. Yeah. That the score is building as his emotion is building, mm-hmm. and then uh, Tom tells him he's like, oh, he's like, he says like his wife is telling him it's time to say goodbye. It's time to he needs to move on and. Then the screen cuts to black, and right when the message cuts out, the score cuts out. And, like, you're just, it's Matthew McConaughey just alone, These his thoughts and his emotions right now. And I think having the score cut out, like, amps that up even more. It's like, you don't even have the music to help you maintain the feeling of the scene. It's like everything stops, and you're just alone with him. And I think it's done so well. I mean, <laughs> okay, I'm excited to hear what you had to say. So, I I mean, I absolutely, like, get choked up whenever I see that scene because there, there is so much real emotion of him. Like, ignore everything that Casey Affleck is saying. Uh, it's it's inane. It's goofy. It's 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 very, like, stock, like, um, I'm a big boy now, Dad, like, type thing. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not necessary. It's not deeply emotional. But then you just have, like, I honestly just kind of wish that it was some images or it's just always the whole thing, you know, not cutting back between the screen and um, Coop. It's just all a close up on Coop of him just weeping. With just like the audio behind it? Yeah. That would have been a good idea. And kind of like as it kind of fades too. Uh, like it's kind of there in the background. You maybe you can pick out a couple words, but it's not. It's not necessary. The dialogue doesn't enhance anything. Yeah, you're you're right because the the scene is about uh, Cooper's emotions and him experiencing these messages. The yeah. scene is has nothing to do with what um, Tom is saying. Yeah, like, it's it, all... he could have said anything. He could have talked about you know the the last TV show he watched. It, yeah, the, his dialogue doesn't matter. Yeah, he could be like, yeah, yeah. I, I changed deodorant brands today. It's Dad. just the point that he's got the message. That's yeah. what McConaughey is. I love that idea. Yeah. We should do our own edit of that scene where we <laughs> we do Tom's dialogue, and it's just it doesn't matter because the the scene is just it's just about Cooper and like his. Kind of flat tire in the truck today, Dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would actually be better than what he says because you have that scene at the beginning of the movie where it's like, he, he gets a flat tire. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, Dad, I tried to take care of your truck, but yeah. you know, that would actually have been an emotional thing that they could have put in, which would have made his dialogue actually make the scene better. Yeah. Or like every day he gets on like, yeah, so we ate some corn today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, but yeah. I made some cornbread. Yeah. Some yeah. popcorn. Yeah. Yep. Some corn walls. <laughs> 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 but, um, I've been, and the reason I say, I say all of that too, is because I, when the music cuts out, because it's it's rather contrived this whole situation is when the music cuts out the emotion goes with it for me too really it, it it's almost immediate like i'm like choking up like tears like seeing all of that and with him stretching out and the music stops and that's when i started to realize that i don't like anything that's happening on earth because what's carrying everything on earth is the music it is not the actors it's not the dialogue it's not the situation it's just a wonderfully wonderfully crafted emotional score and so when the, the music stops right there and then murph comes up it's it's a weird it's a weird um valley of emotion you know it's like it's, it creates this vacuum and then it tries to fill it back again like oh murph is here and she's just you know, like she does, she does like when she says like, you know, now would be a really good time for you to come back. I love like, that. That gets yeah. me. Yeah. But, um, it, I don't think it was necessary to modulate it like that. It's, it's, it, it felt uneven to me. Okay. No, I, I understand where you're coming from. And like right. I said, like it's this, 
everything in this movie pretty much works for me, and and mm-hmm. that's why I like talking about it. You know, I want to hear different perspectives on it. Yeah, I totally disagree with you. I think yeah. it's, it's amazing to me. I love just like kind of the silence before Murph comes on the screen, mm. and I like what she has to say. Like we were talking about how Tom's lines aren't really emotional; they don't really, they're not the point. They don't carry that scene. Everything Murph says to me like kind of helps carry that scene. She's like, you know what today is? Like we're the same age. It's my mm-hmm. birthday, or and and. And then she starts crying. That's when the line you brought up, she's like, it'd be really good if you came home now. And I like that she she also brings up, she's like, you know, I, I haven't talked to you and I that's something I've lived with. And it's like Jaden said, yeah. she does maybe feel some guilt and some sorrow that she didn't message earlier, but she's finally doing it now. And I, I, I think that part is very good. I, I get what you're saying where it's like you have this emotion, it stops, and then you're supposed to feel emotional again because it's Murph on screen. Yeah, it's supposed to be, I mean, really, it should be a more emotional shot, but it doesn't feel that way until like, the last end but it doesn't get as high as any of the um moments with tom yeah and so and honestly like that that right there that's all i need to see of jessica chastain i do not need to see any more of uh of adult murph okay well i want to get topher so ah yeah i i don't know if you guys noticed but i put him under the um for characters, I put him under the antagonist, antagonist which is fucking insane. Calvin. What? I was like, I was like debating, like, is he, does he, does he deserve to be above Matt Damon? I feel like he does. I, <laughs> when I went through the notes that you had that you sent out, I was scrolling through it. And then at the top of one of the pages, it just says fucking Topher Grace. And yeah. I was like, I text you. I was like, I, I feel you. I get that so much. <laughs> I do not understand why this character is in this at all. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I it, saw Eric Foreman grew up and, you know, wanted to be, uh, I don't think Topher Grace should yeah. be in movies. He should not be on screen ever again. And it's, I just don't think he has added anything to any film he's been in. Yeah. He's, he's really good as, as like a weird smarmy type guy. Like, but, but he's they, supposed but to be he like a weird. Play, yeah, he's he supposed does. to be a weird swarmy guy in like uh, when he plays Venom. I hate that. But it's he not, sucks. He's Eddie Brock. Yeah, he sucks. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, you know, he doesn't play the. Sam Raimi did not want Venom in that movie. He was forced to do it. Yeah, and that's why that movie fucking stunk. Not not surprising. And that's why we never got Spider Man Four. So. You don't need to have a. There's like three bad guys in the movie. It's yeah. so much that movie is. And ridiculous. without him, without him, it would have worked. Yeah. Great. I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. Uh, James Franco could not been so shitty too but whatever which is weird because i mean he's a fantastic actor too yeah i just yeah. i i'm okay with never seeing topher grace again so it, I, it would be it would be fine if he wasn't in this film oh. he, i don't he doesn't add anything to anything he's in and he gets prob- punched in the face that part which is the, cool. like, oh yeah that that's was a, the... that's a great part in the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like to believe that he the the actor topher grace got hit in the face that's what i like to believe <laughs> right yeah God, and he's bad that's, and that's what's so sad is like he, he He's really a caricature of himself when he gets into films, and yeah. that, and it just breaks the it breaks every suspension of disbelief because it's not it's not a character. It's like who is this? Like we know everything about him because because his mannerisms are so unique. He has the same hairstyle in every movie he's in. He's yeah. just the exact same person. In the yeah. credits, his name is Getty. Yeah, uh, just call him Topher Grace because <laughs> yeah. he's just being Topher. Yeah, Grace. exactly. I actually wrote that Topher Grace as himself. <laughs> the 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 difference between him and Matthew McConaughey is is their his on screen presence his charisma his the way he delivers lines is, well, is, is just Matthew so McConaughey. is so impactful yeah and so it's fine that he's kind of a character of himself yeah. Topher Grace has none of those qualities 
So don't put him in your fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. We also know that Matthew McConaughey can inhabit so many bodies and so many perspectives that what are we going to get out of here? Are we going to get, are we going to get farmer Matthew McConaughey with a little bit of of, uh, Western Texas, uh, you know, draw? Right. And uh, are we going to get Southern uh, Matthew McConaughey, who's a bit of a gentleman? Are we going to get Northern uh, McConaughey, who's a a transplant and he's just, you know, getting used to the city and all of them city folk? Yeah. There's so many things that he can be while still maintaining a lot of his same mannerisms that Topher Grace doesn't understand who yeah. he is. Yeah. I just see it blow. It, I don't hear, understand I mean, like, in this movie, like, like McConaughey's an emotional Matthew McConaughey in this movie, mm-hmm. right. which he's not in a lot of his other films. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's so human here. Yep. Okay. We checked a box for me. I wanted to have a shit on Topher Grace section. So we, there'll uh, be we, more. We, we, I think <laughs> so far we've nailed it. Yeah. I, I'm not done. I, I don't. I, I do so not much enjoy sentiment. Okay. So anyway, so. McConaughey is now he's had the conversation not conversation he's seen the recording of Murph and I I actually like the way this scene's done the she reaches forward this is from Matthew McConaughey's perspective she reaches forward shuts off the recording and then it flips to now it's present day um, adult Jessica Chastain is Murph and she's working for NASA she's working with Professor Brand to kind of solve this gravity equation to figure out how they can get plan A to work Calvin's making a face I feel like you don't like that that switch that scene. No, I, I do actually like that as a stylistic thing. I just, I just don't find it necessary. I just don't understand how Michael Caine is still alive. How old is this dude at this point? I think he was he was rather young uh, when they started. I think he was probably in his fifties. He looks old as shit. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> he's like sixty something now, isn't he? I like I like uh, I'm actually not sure how old he is. I could find out, but uh, I think that they do a kind of contrived way of making him seem old because. At first, he's when you first are introduced to him, he's walking around and he's fine. He's showing Coop like the station they're on, and then when he's like twenty three years later, they just put him in a chair, a wheelchair with like a blanket over him. They're like, okay, he's really old now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a goofy way to do it. Okay, I, I, I well, buy it enough. So. Okay, get this: when they shot this, uh, he was eighty. Yeah, no, that's what way. I'm saying it's like he's, he's old as shit. He's eighty eight right now. Yeah, I didn't realize he was that old. I didn't either. He looks great for yeah. Oh my god. 80. Yeah, he looks really good for eighty. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. I mean, he's still walking around like, I mean, his, his posture is great. I need to, to say I need that to know what his regimen is. <laughs> the, the films in which he's appeared have grossed over $7.8 billion worldwide. This guy's in bangers, like nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, oh, I mean, and he has a distinctive South London accent. Oh, there you go. Now, so now, you know now, now we know. <laughs> wow, that. Michael Caine. Good for him. Yeah, you're right. I, I did not think he was 88 now, so this came out in 2004, so... 2014. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. So, well, I I didn't realize he was that old even during the filming of this. I, I yeah. thought he was pretty old during the Dark Knight trilogy. I was like this dude's got to be in the 70s. Yeah. He was. So Yeah, he was. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Wow. Good little Michael Caine bits. Um but yeah, I, I think it's kind of it's maybe a little goofy how they make him even older. They're just like put him in a wheelchair. That's, that's enough. Yeah. Which again, that that speaks to why like these personal movies have the appearance of being smart, but it's just something really dumb. Put him in a wheelchair, and now he's old. Yeah, they should have started with someone who was a little bit. I mean, you, it's harder to de-age someone that's not through CGI. You yeah, know? they did that with uh, Will Smith um, in a couple films, which is really weird. Gemini Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a lot God. easier to go the other direction right. and make things look older. Because I mean, you can throw some salt and pepper into that, and 
Exactly, like we've been saying. Uh, like Joel Edgerton. Like that would have been a good uh, character for this because he also would have had an American accent. I think the problem <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, the problem is Christopher Nolan. But, uh, he wasn't in previous Christopher Nolan films. Yeah, so. he he cast the same people in all of his movies. <laughs> uh, Michael Caine will be in. He'll be like in the grave and. Is he in Tenet? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He'll be in the next movie that Christopher Nolan comes out with. You know, if, if Michael Caine's passed, it'll just be like a, a shot of his gravestone. <laughs> that way, that way, Mike, Michael Caine is still in all of his movies. Right, like, and Anne Hathaway was in The Last Dark Knight. And yeah, yeah. No, no, he has like a he has a uh, an ensemble that he likes to use mm-hmm. for sure. And most directors do same right. thing with uh, Ingmar Bergman, uh, Tarkovsky, Hitchcock, all of them. Yeah, even classically, like when when you have someone that understands your workflow and you can get the things that you want out of an actor, you generally start to write pieces around them. Right. So, so you don't like adult Murph. Portrayed by Jessica Chastain. At all. So, and I would say it like this. Um, she is only a plot de- device. Um, all of her scenes are either useless, melodramatic, or uninteresting. Like, this, like in addition to being a plot device, she, she doesn't even bring anything to the table you know and she says things like you've been trying to solve this equation with with one arm no both arms tied behind your back like he's like are you calling all my work it, 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 what she calls it? it's like recursive it's it's nonsensical he's like yeah. are you calling my life's work nonsensical like that's what michael Caine says. <laughs> yeah before. yeah exactly and uh, it, it just makes it makes me groan because I can agree that that character and that performance is not the best in the movie. I mean, it, that it's probably the worst in the movie, uh, besides Topher Grace. But I think that, yeah, I think that it has it has. A, like I said, I love setup the setup and payoff in this movie. I love the setup of the watch and then the payoff with her at the end. And so to me, that kind of recovers that character to me because I think I think you, I think you get the payoff at the end. So I can yeah. agree that it's it's not a, an outstanding character and it's it, she's Jessica Chastain is great in a lot of things. She's maybe not great in this one. I just think the character is just necessary, and that's eh, that's all okay. you need to say. Because I, then, th- I still agree with you. I think she should be in the movie. Yeah, yeah but like then you, we don't have to have the the dumbass car ride of her and Topher Grace, like saying like, "Oh, all of these people, where are they going? All of the dust." Blah, blah, There's blah, a cool cameo. Those are, those are thoughts. They uh, do not need it? to be said. There's a little girl in the back, oh, like the 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 bed of a truck. That's uh, Chris Nolan's daughter. Oh, neat. Oh, I think it's. Uh, Nepotism at its best. Oh yeah, Flora, uh, Flora Nolan. That's her. her yeah, because that's it. that's actually what um he apparently he's so secretive about all of his scripts. That's why he called the the shooting for this was uh Flora something. Oh, that's actually kind of sweet. Because again, this a, is a, a, this a father daughter, daughter movie. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of sweet. Oh like that. yeah, that is true. And then so he added thirty minutes of of film time that didn't need to be there so that he could have his daughter have a cameo i think that <laughs> i think that your problem is more that the, the character is just bad not that it's not necessary yeah they're, yeah they're really bad they're really bad and they're given way too much screen time it's the, that's really unnecessary they're all and then leading up to obviously i think our the scene that we hate the most the corn burning scene yep it's yeah we'll, like, we'll get into that um it's not because yeah. of the scene either. It's because of what's behind the scene. It's yeah. both for me. That is the worst scene. It is. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, so now they've decided, the crew's decided that they're going to move on to Dr. Man's planet. And there's this is, this is kind of the melodramatic scene in between that that I, uh, a lot of people have a problem with. It's kind of Anne Hathaway's big speech about how 
she thinks she thinks love is like a power that can transcend dimensions and it, it's some kind of artifact that's a part of humanity that we carry with us and it has its a power of its own and I get why people don't like this I just think that the idea of like loving someone so much that it could have a, a strength and it has a power within like kind of our or it's built into our humanity because that you get that kind of sense of love that Cooper has for Murph so that idea is already built into the film. So I think uh, that kind of bit of dialogue that Anne Hathaway has about love, I think it fits in the tone of the film. A lot of people have a problem with it because they're like, why are you even like, stop bringing this up. This is a science movie. But I think this, this film revolves around the love we have for each other. Yeah. I just don't think it needs to be spelled out. And I think that's my issue with the scene. Yeah. I don't also don't think that she needs to say like, it's the only thing that, that, you know, transcends dimensions. Like, memories do like there's so many things that you're you're making the same argument about a lot of things but you could talk about reciprocal altruism being the thing that um is what transcends oh, the i love that phrasing yeah that's, that's so eloquent <laughs> i love that uh, yeah well that, that would i mean that might actually make more sense if they did that instead of love. yeah yeah, exactly. It would it would make it more. more I don't want you to tear down my favorite movie, but that, I actually the way you put that is, it, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's that is the point is we don't. It's it's love, um, not not only for the ones that we do know, but reciprocal altruism extends beyond ourselves into everything human, everything that has life. And when you start to balance all of these things together like i i absolutely agree with her i think it's just i think it's not necessarily the right way i also think she has a really good argument like if it if it has better data then we should go there you know yeah like i i don't i don't i don't agree that just because man is the best one that they should go to his planet they should have gone to Edmonds because this data was more promising that, that seems fairly obvious because well, and it has also to do that it's closer and uh after they have that kind of argument that debate where they decide they're going to go to man's planet um dr brand she's like well now you have a really important decision to make because you're factoring in our travel based on a return journey back home so that mm -hmm. cooper can go back and see murph she's like you're gonna have a tough decision to make if uh if dr man's planet isn't any good because you're gonna have to use the remaining fuel to go to edmund's planet yep yep and so i think that's such a good bit of tension and but so the other thing that i do like about amelia's um speech is that she's already seen something that seemed to defy um her idea of of physics you know her idea of um of humans and and spatial beings you know she's she had that handshake there are things that seem to extend beyond what she understands so if you know they've been wrong you know about all of their their theory there's some non-duality uh pseudosciencey things that are um that could explain what she's talking about they're not um they're not explained here because they're not scientific and they're not included for that reason but they're kind of plausible in a way if you rethink everything about the way physics works and the reason why humans do the things we do isn't necessarily biological but maybe it's higher conscious consciousness in um higher consciousnesses in higher dimensions exerting forces on us and if that's the case then it's it's even more plausible what she's saying but 
the film doesn't really doesn't give space for that type of discussion. So right. it, it ends up being a little bit more melodramatic. So I wish there was more like some some more like metaphysical stuff there for that reason because she seems to be having a existential metaphysical crisis. Right. I'm just glad that you guys aren't like straight up the scene blows. It makes no, no sense. I hate I, it because I, I don't blows. think it's that bad. I, I understand the problems with it, but yeah. I don't think it's just like straight up bad. It's like I, I felt like I got a lot of the feelings like that she was describing in that scene just throughout the acting throughout the movie. Right, right. Uh, but she does a great job delivering on her acting. I don't think that Anne Hathaway does a bad job. I don't in this either. Movie yeah. in for one second. I don't. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism surrounding yeah. her. I think she's one of so, yeah. the world's greatest actresses, yeah. and I don't mm-hmm. think that this has any demeanor against that yeah but, i yeah. totally agree yeah um, and a wonderful laugh some very some very heartfelt laughs throughout the film that felt like they were just goofing around on set like right. oh yeah. hey we recorded that that's great yeah. yeah uh so so now they've decided they're going to dr man's planet and i like that they set up they kind of hype up dr man yeah prior to almost like a god and it is everything. unknown that it's Matt Damon up until they wake him up. Correctly. I didn't know he was in this movie yeah, the first time I watched is, it. I had no idea he I was in this I love that movie. Matt Damon does this so much. Mm-hmm. Like, and he does it. He does it. He does it in a lot of movies. Like, he's in Deadpool too. People still have no fucking idea about that. Isn't Brad Pitt in that one too? Yeah, Brad Pitt's in that one for like one like second. Like two seconds. But <laughs> he gets like electrocuted and, and, yeah. in times. Uh, so uh, he got paid a cup of coffee for that scene. That's really? what Ryan Reynolds gave him. Oh, yeah, but, awesome. uh, in in Deadpool two. Uh, Matt Damon plays the fat dude sitting on the on the bed of the truck talking with the other guy when Cable shows up and steals her shit. I have seen bits of that movie. Yeah, I don't. It's been a while since I've seen that. I can't remember that scene, but ah, oh, that's my problem with Deadpool too. Is it's just Deadpool again. Like, it, yeah, I'm okay with there being millions of Deadpools. Really? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed Dead, Deadpool. I'm too. a huge I did Ryan feel like Reynolds. Different too. Yeah, yeah. Give me some more. Uh, yeah. What is it? Just Friends. One yeah. Oh greatest, my god. The greatest rom com yeah. ever. Oh my so, god. I was watching Scrubs the other week, and it was it was during the time when that movie was coming out. And one episode, it's Amy Smart. And then the next episode, it's Ryan Reynolds. I was like, you guys are just promoting the <laughs> right. fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love I love everything about Ryan Reynolds' persona. Yeah. I'm okay. a big, big fan of him. You guys are real hype on him. I think yeah. he does some really crappy. Like the new movie he's got coming out, Guy. New oh, Guy? Yeah. Uh, free Guy? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Free guy. I want to watch it so bad. It's it looks, probably going to be terrible, but I, I don't think care. it looks awful. Yeah. And he's also the Pikachu that, movie like, wasn't very good. Don't care. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that one. And then what is it? The, uh, the Assassin's Bodyguard? Oh, oh my uh, God, Hitman's bodyguard, Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I, I guess I got the spirit of what the movie was. Those are so confusing, even... <laughs> like because it's Hitman's bodyguard, that's it. and then it just keeps going. It's like Hitman's wife's brother's cousin's sisters. <laughs> like those will be the sequels. Like yeah. those, will, they'll just be some other relationship. And like if it's not my kind of movie or whatever, but it's. I feel like it's very. I mean, it fits Ryan Reynolds what he does. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. Anyways, he's, he's fine. I like him. He's fine. But uh, Mac Damon. <laughs> so before they arrive at Doctor Man's planet. Professor Brand is dying. He calls Murph to his like deathbed, and that's yeah. when you get kind of the reveal that Plan A was never going to work. He's already figured out that they can't solve this kind of gravity equation. They can't figure out how to harness it, mm-hmm. and Murph gets that realization that Plan A was never an option. It was, it was contrived to get people to continue to work on something because, like, if if you know you're going to die. And there's no hope for you. Shit. Then, like, then fuck it. You're yeah. just gonna live out the rest of your days doing whatever you want. I'm gonna eat shitloads of corn. Yeah. And drink corn liquor. Yeah, you're gonna drink them like corn vodka. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think that that's not necessarily the case. Um, I think people still do work that like isn't necessarily. We 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 work to survive. Over. I think you could find enough people to work for NASA to make this operation possible. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. I just, I still think it works in the context of this movie to be like, to, to make that statement, be like, well, people are not, people are going to look out for themselves if they know there's no future for them. Yeah. Like, and they're also, not going to, they're not going to put down or, or give the time to help us out if they know that they have no way out from which it. Which is so. crazy represented by Dr. Man's character shortly after this. Yeah. So I, I love the setup of that. Um, go ahead, Kellen. Yeah. So, well, what I was going to say is too, like, if we did get rid of uh, Chastain's uh, Chastain Murph, I think a really interesting way of of bringing it up um, that there was no Plan A is that it's just assumed, you know, that every that there was no Plan A, and so man just talking about like, yep, so let's uh, let's set up like we got all the embryos, and like, yeah, well, I gotta get well, what about Plan A, and like, what do you mean Plan A, and like that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be like a really like gut-riching like oh what the yeah fuck? like that yeah. would be like a scene you feel the air go out of the room like you're just like what like especially like cooper and uh, uh dr brand would be like yeah are you kidding like this is because cooper doesn't go on this mission if he thinks there's no plan a exactly and i think you could have had like an amazing um i mean you have matt damon right there to, to feel this awkward like oh no like i'm i'm so sorry like there, yeah. there is absolutely, there's just mounds and mounds of space to explore uh, of emotional territory there that get kind of ruined with a really, really overdramatic, you knew, you knew. Yeah. And I think it, her best scenes probably only come when she's recording messages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely outside right of, there. Yeah. Outside of that small room and that small screen she's on, she because she's not great in this and the character's not great in this. Her best scenes are all like just these recordings. Yeah. She has this great cry where she's like, <gasps> like she does this yeah. kind of like stuttered breathing coming in. And it, it's so, it's so, I, I, I get amazed by actors sometimes when they can pull off something that feels so authentic. Cause like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like reminds me of like a child crying. Mm-hmm. Like it's so like a, like a baby. It's like they're struggling to even get the breath in to continue crying. It's like this very visceral, emotional uh, cry. And, and I, and again, I think that's maybe why I give that Jessica Chastain's portrayal of Murph a lot of leeway because I think she has a couple great scenes. And so mm-hmm. that character is fine to me. And I think that part is so good. I love that cry she has. It feels so real. Yeah. Uh, are you overwhelmed, mother? Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so and since it's all from Coop's perspective, you know, the whole film. Right. They work they work the that's why they work the best. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. This is a movie about Dr. That's Brand. why going back to the earth yeah. like what you said earlier, the scenes are pretty lame because mm-hmm. the whole movie has been through been through Coop's perspective and now we're going to place it like why should I care about this now? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, yeah sure this is Murph, but this is a very different feeling Murph. She's yeah. not the rebellious fun Murph that that crashes grandpa's truck yeah. and doesn't uh, uh, get the bolt cutters out and Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no sign there's the not bumps. really like any like showings of her intelligence either as adult Murph. Yeah, just, well, I mean, she just likes, her like on she the, solves the on gravity the thing. But that's kind of just like a kind of blase blase. Yeah. yeah. You're right. They could have amped that up a little bit. So what I really like about the the score and the way it's used in this or the message is sent, but uh the crew is already on the ship leaving for man's planet. And that message plays in this this theme, this part of the score picks up during uh Professor Brand's death. And it continues to carry on into them then uh, traveling into Dr. Mann's planet. And so I love that the score starts with this deception scene where basically there's no plan A. And it continues into Mann's planet where you then find out that Dr. Mann is deceiving them. And I, I just think it's cool that that theme carries on. It's like it's sort of like this hint that like 
this is also another Bullshit. you're about to be deceived again yeah. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely i agree this is i think uh this whole this whole session with like matt damon in the movie is when the score is at its best and i love the, the thematic t- territory that they ex- they explore you know it's the it the the dark side of um reciprocal altruism right you know, with the fact that we need to be connected to people and when he's opened up out of his body bag and just starts crying weeping, yeah. yeah oh and then that it's he's a powerful like, scene so this is like honestly like like a perspective like i'm not the biggest matt damon fan in the world but this is my favorite like acting that i've seen him do because every time you watch matt damon he's a good dude and he's a dude that you're kind of always like okay i gotta root for this guy yeah, it's movie, just like kind of built into this kind of how we perceive his narrative of him. And so like I feel like Christopher Nolan used that to give the audience deception of who he is as well. I yeah. that's such a good point. Like, to make. You see you see Matt Damon like oh shit. So like we know that he's he's the safer now. Like we're good. Yeah. We got Matt Damon now. We're like, all good. I like that mm-hmm. when they, they first talk about uh Doctor Man when they're in that boardroom and they're talking about the you Lazarus can't see missions, the picture. they they showed the all the pictures on the wall of all the members of the Lazarus missions, and it's purposeful. I think that you not only to not show you that Matt Damon is in this movie because I do I, I do think they use the kind of our collective unconscious opinion of Matt Damon mm-hmm. to to fill gaps in the character, and so we we instantly have an attachment to him because people just like Matt Damon. Yeah, and so I like that it's very purposeful that you don't know it's. Oh, we're gonna see Matt Damon later in this movie. Yeah. I like I like that it shows all the people, but it and they talk about Doctor Man a lot, but they don't ever show. Like, literally, him. like Michael Caine's head is right in the way of his picture. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. I, I didn't notice that. It's yeah. a it's a yeah. It's it's such a small subtle thing, and I just think it's really it's really well done. Because yeah. I, I literally I was like, I was like, where's Matt Damon? Like on the wall. I was like, they're not showing him, huh? <laughs> after after I'd seen it the first time, and when I went and watched it again, yeah. that's what I was looking for. I was like, because I did again. I. I when this movie came out, it was mostly just like it was just sci-fi and it was cool. I just love space. Yeah, yeah. And so I was going to see this regardless. I didn't. I was not as in in. Uh, I didn't research movies as much as I do now, mm-hmm. uh, and so I had no idea the cast for this. And and I think there there might have been leaks and that that is so like prominent now. There's all like set photos that get leaked and all these characters. Try to stay away movies. from if you're a movie fan. Honestly, yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah. That's why I continue to not look at it because it's like. Yeah. Okay. I like that it's there because information is able, able to access like later almost. Yeah. You know what I mean, but like I don't want to ruin movies for yeah. myself. And but on second yeah. viewing, I was trying to figure out where yeah. Matt Damon showed up. If 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 it was ever like led on that it was Matt Damon yeah. playing that character, and it's not. It, yeah. it, they they do a good job of kind of not not revealing it. And I think it's really good. And I I totally agree with you, Calvin. That that scene where he wakes up and cries and and he's like, pray that you know. You, you never have to go through what I went through. It's like it, that you never need to understand the joy of seeing another human's face. Yeah. And and when he talks about the uh, the death of Kip, which I love his, his name is Kip because I'm pretty sure that's... A, oh, it's obvious nod to Kip Thorne. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I think... Uh, but I love how he says even, you know, you never know how how you know, how truly you are alone until you don't even have that. Right. Which I think also speaks to how important like Tars and Case are. Because they're not just like they're not just like dumb yeah. machines, and, like, and not, I think they are characters. What, and so when he loses, when Doctor Man loses Kip, it's like uh, it's even more of a blow. Like not only does he not have a person to talk to, it's like now he doesn't even have like this sort of like a replication of a person to talk yeah. to. Like yeah, and he which doesn't even what, have that. Yeah, and which is what Coop starts to realize, which is why he takes uh, Tars with him at the end of the film because yeah. it's 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 pushing the bounds of what reciprocal altruism is for 
um, all types of things. Right. You know, like what types of things can we extend love and care to? And even these things, you know, yeah. we put ourselves into these things and they're reflections of us as well. So, right. So then case, he relays the message from the endurance talking about that, uh, professor brands passed away and, uh, Murph then explains that there was no plan a, and I, I think this is another bit of Anne Hathaway acting really well. And it shows kind of it, this is like a big shift in like the way her character starts to treat Coop is mm-hmm. she like, she like grabs his face. She's like, I didn't know. She's like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I love the change in her character here. She's, uh, it's like this. Now they had this emotional attachment because now they're both, they're both deceived. Like they both didn't know that there was really no plan A. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of sharing that kind of sorrow together. Yeah. It's also weird thinking about uh, the fact that they're, is no plan A, and they sent one woman. Right? <laughs> I, okay. This is more of Do a... Do they uh, not have the embryos on the... Yeah, but you still need a woman for the embryo <laughs> that's to just fair. That's fair. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Why is there not another woman a part of the crew? Just for like a redundancy, which NASA is very well known for its redundancies. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't leave Earth's orbit. Yeah. You and sent so, three men. Yeah. It's not like there wasn't enough room yeah. for two women. It's like, imagine if something, okay, so like imagine Doyle isn't killed. Like what if, what if Cooper's like, uh, oh, Case, get Doyle on when they're on Miller's planet and then Anne Hathaway dies. Okay, now your plan B is no longer an option. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, all of it rode on, on a single person. Yeah. <laughs> what? I agree with you. That is that is a part of the mil- of the film that I, I just- So Coop to- probably should have been the only dude on the- Probably, yeah. right. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's even, that's an even better point. Like, especially because, like, him piloting yeah. is, is helpful, but, like, uh, Case and Tars both pilot. Yeah. Like, they, they, they're both. Yeah. That, it does seem weird to me that they needed Coop at all because they, they do all of the things that he does to, yeah, a excruciatingly detailed level. I think part of the reason they need him is because they, they kind of play up the fact that, like, he can do stuff he'll think in a way a machine won't because he's like, the only time I ever failed is when a machine took the controls. Yeah. And so I think they they feel like they need him and obviously this movie sucks if it's I think if it's a crew of four women and two two robots I don't want to watch this like Yeah, exactly. I I love Cooper's character and he makes this movie. Although but if I one of them is Francis McDormand, I think I would still enjoy this just as much. Or if it's just Florence Pugh. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's Florence Oh my Pugh. gosh, yeah. can you imagine? Oh, yeah, okay, well, we'll have to put together our How super old crew. is Florence Pugh <laughs> yeah. when this, when this right. came out? Yeah. Like yeah. 17 or something? Oh my God, I yeah. mean, either way, we got to put together our, our, our super Why isn't Florence fly. Pugh playing older Murph? Yeah. That's what I want to yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That is, she is totally within her range. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, but I totally agree with you. It's like if something happened like she should never leave the ship then like she should never she should never go to miller's planet she shouldn't go to man's planet until yeah. they know it's safe like it, everything rides on her ability to be the only one who can reproduce and, yeah. and gestate these embryos they should have like then they should also if they're not going to do that they should have science set up in such a way that um they have like artificial wombs yeah because eggs like, yeah which is not like that crazy yeah that's no, like, it's not that, that's not a technology that will never exist that 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 is something that could very well happen in my lifetime yeah like, hundred i mean i'm the same age as you so it's probably possible in my lifetime yeah, too dude. but like yeah. yeah probably not mine i'm a little bit more unhealthy than you <laughs> you like to live, you like to live on the edge <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i do agree with you it's like either set up some kind of technology that allows you to artificially gestate or um have another woman on the crew because it, it really doesn't make any sense that she's the only one. Yeah. That's it. Again, that's a nitpick and it's not what the movie's about. The, mo- the, mm-hmm. the movie is not about 
colonizing or or it's about adventure and love dude. yeah it's yeah. it's not about it so that's why i was fine to kind of like let that go by the wayside even though it is a problem it's not a plot hole it's just like it's just a problem that it's uh, a uh, tiny plot that hole. A practical nasa would have never done yeah they would yeah. have never sent just one woman into space so anyways we'll, we'll move on from that yeah. what's the future of the human race who knows yeah um <laughs> not our problem <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> so I, I I like that now Anne Hathaway is kind of given, uh, Dr. Brand's given uh, Coop kind of permission to like, hey, we're going to settle up here on man's planet and then you can take off. And so now it's, it's just all about setting things up. And I love uh, Cooper's interaction with Dr. Mann. He's like, okay, uh, show me the next site we have to go. Like we need to, you need to have plenty of space for the lab. Where, where are we going to go? And Matt Damon's like, well, I don't think the storm's going to, the storm's probably going to, mess this up so we can't go now he's like no the storm's fine he's like well do you have your communicator he's like yep got it well is it charged he's like yes cooper's like yes let's fucking go yeah like i have shit to do and man is doing everything he can to like kind of scheme and figure out like he's so dishonest in these scenes but it's kind of like it i think it's subtle enough that you can you can tell like something's off like someone's a little sketchy with him but yeah. it's not but you could just know. because like he's so worried he has to interact with humans or something. Yeah. There's always yeah. like excuses you can make in your brain at this yeah. point. But I think he knows it's not the too obvious. Better. Yeah. And so that's when you get to they go off and uh, he has this kind of bit of dialogue. He's like, oh, like uh, you know what science shows that people will see when they die. It's like uh, their family or whatever, and it it just plays more into. Uh, and Calvin just rolled his eyes. And I get that you probably don't need that dialogue in there. It's already so saturated in the movie that you don't need it. Well, not like that, but just like okay. It's just he said, I was like, okay, so Matt Damon's going to try and kill Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, exactly. That's going to happen in the next five minutes. So. Yeah. And I, it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that he just like lets Cooper walk a little bit ahead, takes off the communicator yeah. and like throws it. And then now they're, now they're fighting. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's so caught off guard by it. But I yeah. think the audience, and, and that's something that the audience gets that like the characters don't get. You get kind of the ominous build of the score during his scenes yep. with Dr. Mann. And so you know something's coming because the score builds to it. Mm-hmm. These characters don't have that. Like, so it didn't, I wasn't shocked by like Matt, uh, Matthew McConaughey's surprise, by Cooper's surprise that this was happening to him. That seemed to fit in the scene. Uh, what do you guys think about the fight? I love the part where Van is trying to crack yes, it's, it's, Cooper's helmet. You have a chance of dying yourself. That's the best chance I've had in years. Dude. I love that. That's I a great that. line. I love yeah. it. And I can actually, I can totally see that being a, a real line that someone actually yeah. said. I, and I see it on Matt Damon's face. Like he stops, like he thinks about it for like half of a second. And then he re- yeah. delivers his response. And it's just like, yeah, fuck it. That's the best I've ever had. So <laughs> Cooper's so great in that scene too. Cause he's like, stop. Cause yeah. he like, has him kind of held down. He's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. stop. Which is like, like, I mean, if you've ever been in a fight before, like that happens, like we yeah. don't want to be in a fight. You're like, dude, I don't, what are you doing this yeah. for? Like, yeah. it, it, like I said, like uh, everything is so well acted in this movie. Like yeah. he, he admits, he's like, he's like, I knew, he's like, I thought I could be brave. He's like, but I knew as soon as I landed, there was nothing here. Yeah. And he's like, I was going to die. And he's like, I resisted for years. And then he presses the button to be like, come and get me. Yep. Yeah. And it's just Which is like great... so, like the one film, like receiver, like Matt Damon's not likable, mm-hmm. but he's at that point he's relatable. Like, right. how many of us would not do that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, being alone, I... facing death, you have nothing. Yeah. He's a very human character. It's something yeah. I absolutely believe that when it, a when lot of says, people like, are going to struggle. I didn't with the even same set thing a wake up time and stuff like that. Like, yeah. that's I would fucking do the same thing, dude. Yeah. I don't know if I would call on people to come save me because it's kind of fucked up. It's hard yeah. to it's but that's but it's I, hard yeah. to say that I wouldn't. Yeah. 
But he's when he says he's like he's like don't judge me, Coop. Very few people have ever been in my situation. Yeah, like and I'm like man, he's fucking right, dude. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. tough. That's mm-hmm. very very tough. Yeah. That's why I think everything in this scene is so believable. Yeah. It's just like yeah, they're fading on they're fighting on some glacier. I think you have two of the best actors on the planet doing one of the best scenes yeah. they've they've each done. So mm-hmm. just uh just smearing their acting talent all over the screen yeah. for our pleasure. It's yeah. so wrestling good. around with each other in spaces. a sci-fi film. Yeah. So now Cooper's helmet's cracked. And and also we've realized now that like the, all the data he's he has is faked. And at the same time Romilly is uh trying to access Kip. Man. And he and it, oh my god the score gets so good here. It's just like this it's very makes quick me and, anxious. Yeah, it, yeah. And then there's one kind of criticism I have is that if it does do that, you haven't created a compelling enough film. Um, generally speaking, that's that's the way I like to approach the the language of film. Um, I think you can explore all of these emotions uh, through the the frame. You don't need the music, but music for me is such a big part of uh, like my own personal emotional expression that I have a hard time not getting caught up in all of it. Right. So this this like there's me as as critic as academic and film artist and there's me as a regular person emotional and so drawn to to music and rhythm and films that that are able to blend those in ways that aren't obstructive uh, they don't get in the way of each other. They they mean that much. More. I am like, Sam. <sighs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tenant. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Yeah, and like <laughs> and like the fountain does it a lot. You know, really, too. But I still love it for a lot of other reasons. So I just, well, I disagree with the fountain. I think that score. It's all of the elements kind of running into each other is what I'm saying. Like the oh, music okay. is 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 uh, big and loud in some places and it tries to carry emotion that isn't really there. Can I ask you, do you think the score for this is better than the score for fountain? The fountain? <sighs> put your put your bias to the side because I know it's your favorite. Which which score matches and amplifies its film better? On the record, <laughs> yeah, we're, on we're, record, on, we're, you're we have recorded. microphones in front of our faces. <laughs> Just say it. Say that I'm. I right. don't know. <laughs> I think the overall score is better for the fountain, <sighs> but the f- specific phrase, the that that building and the and the stay thing, that it's it's haunting it's 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 saddening it's it creates such a a well of of emotion that it's hard not to get sucked into um so the overall score i say for the fountain has um is better has a has a, a more special place in my heart but i do think i said that, put your bias to the side yeah but i like i can't like yeah. because emotion like music is emotion how do you how do you uh i guess that's true because that? if you ask me the same question i would just say interstellar right off the bat yeah even though i think the score for the fountain is great and mm-hmm. when we talked about that movie it was just how purposeful everything was in that movie and the score fits every scene so well and so it it would be a t- it, it is a tough choice i guess but yeah. i know i'm picking interstellar every time yeah. because again i can't put my bias to the side either so right. brighter moments i think for interstellar higher higher um things but the overall score for fountain is higher is better for me what do you think Jaden? i like under the skin score <laughs> oh okay uh like have you guys seen uh forgetting sarah marshall yeah yeah it's been a long time so like when he's talking about how he just he's like it's not music it's just ominous tones <laughs> 
I love it when that's in movies. Like, yeah, it makes me feel a lot. And yeah, like I've Bavarian said before, either. like I, 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 I do love the score in Bavarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because, like, if I can't notice it, really, I think that is huge to me because I don't want it to be a distraction. Yeah, I think it works different than Interstellar because at first I was a little bit frustrated because it's so loud. <laughs> but I mean, especially the docking scene that's about to come up that yeah. we're about to talk about. I mean, it's amazing the way it plays. It gives me goosebumps because the music. I'm telling you, that's like, a scene I t- like. I'm getting like edge of my jacked seat. up yeah. right yeah, now yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. But, uh, this whole yeah. episode for me, this whole yeah. episode is just building to that scene. Yeah. Like, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of like very subtle. Not uh, I don't want to even notice it. Basically. I'm surprised that you. That's a surprise pick to me because Under the Skin is a stark, uh, minimalist, yeah, very minimalist, uh, yeah. score. I would mm-hmm. say Midsummer, but we haven't talked about it yet. So. Yeah, okay. It doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Back to Dr. Man. And, uh, I just, every time you say Dr. Man, dude, I just laugh. I think it's actually meant to be like an archetype. You know, yeah. this is man, the nature of man. I think so too, because yeah. the way he reacts is, I'm going to be noble, but in, never in my mind did I not think it was going to be my planet. Yeah. Which is, if I was in a situation... I love right. that. I'm thinking. I that, love that line. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah. I think also yeah. a great thing about his character is just it's such a subversion of like the hero archetype because that's how he's portrayed is this this very noble, selfless man who's going to go out and do something as everyone thinks and, of him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like he's going to forego his own uh, his own mortality. He's gonna he's gonna carry out this mission that then all of a sudden he doesn't have the courage to go through. Yeah. It. and 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 he's going to do it in a way that is just like betraying the very few people that are even around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consumed Ooh. by hubris instead. When across the fucking universe, yeah, like to be like to get him, fuck you, and I, he's betraying them. Yeah, it's all, like, all all this all and like the whole thing about him like like trying to fucking like like kill him and stuff and leave him there. Like I was just like, dude, hey, I fucked up. I got real scared. Can I just go with you to the next planet? <laughs> I'd just be yeah. honest. Like, yeah, like you're here already. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, you're gonna leave me here? It's all right, like, I guess that's what was gonna happen anyways. And then maybe I'll try and sabotage you. But, yeah, right. Yeah. I just think it's, about it's, it like it's such a subversion because he immediately jumps to betrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, like all of humanity's resources to save a selfish man consumed by his own hubris. Right. Unreal. Yeah. And that's that's who we are. And that and yet, yeah, that, that's just a very human thing to mm-hmm. kind of do. And the way he talks about the survival instinct and all of that, it just I'm like, yep. Hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah. Yep. I and love then, when he's, But I love how the film does move to the, the the brighter parts of humanity yeah yeah i think you need that you need that contrast in order for the for the good parts to to matter more you can't have so the yin without the yang man yeah you need, you need to, you need to have the worst parts of humanity in order to experience the best perfectly parts of balanced as all things should be mm-hmm. dude Thanos, man. Yeah. <laughs> so i want to talk now about this is where the marooning is happening now like dr man has gotten into the ship he's leaving them mm-hmm. and now uh Dr. Bran and uh, Coop and Tarzan Case are in the, the next ship trying to follow up, but uh, man's got a good lead start on them. And I love that uh, Dr. Bran says, like, he, he maroon us? Like a question? He's like, Cooper's like, he, he is, is marooning, marooning us. us. Yeah, that's a great line. Yeah. And again, that just speaks to just how well Matthew McConaughey can deliver lines. Mm-hmm. Like, well, Matthew McConaughey might be the best deliverer in history. Like, if he brought be. me a pizza. Like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, he goes all right, slick. All right, all right, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he goes slick. It's like <laughs> <laughs> he just looks at you. He's like, "This is pepperoni." Yeah. <laughs> I open up. It's like sausage. Like, I don't even care. I believe right, you. Dude. Yeah. Uh, and this is what builds up to, in my opinion, this is the climax of the film, which is unfortunate that it, it kind of takes place uh, 
it's towards the end, but it's sort of still in like kind of this middle act of the movie. I think it's like the end of the middle act, but it's, this is the culmination of the score. It's the culmination of tension. It's the culmination of Cooper's skill as a pilot. Getting goosebumps right it's now. a, it's a culmination yeah. of, of kind of this new relationship that brand and Cooper have formed where now she trusts him to do everything. It's tars, it's case, like carrying out these duties that they have on board the ship. It's this amazing scene. Uh, I mean, man is going to dock with the ship, but he doesn't realize that the uh, kind of the docking sequence has been overridden. And it's a great little bit of line where uh, a great line where Matthew McConaughey is like, does he know the docking sequence? And he's like, not since TARS disabled it. And he's like, I guess your trusting your trust setting was higher than mine. Yeah, yeah so you I, know, he I, asked I, him, he's like, what's your trust setting? He's like, lower than yours. Yeah, lower than yours. Yeah. And I, I love that, like, that's why these the Tars and Case are like to me are real characters in this because they play a role in what is essentially the climax of the film. Yeah, like human feeling characters, yeah. not just like plot devices or you know it's not like like C three PO is a character, but deeply uninteresting. R two D two is way more interesting than him. Yeah, and on, I don't I, any... I don't know about that, but like as an archetype, I suppose he's more interesting than than C three PO. R two D two in at least the prequel trilogy is very fantastic. But I think the way that <laughs> that I think the way that we're all wrapped up in the person Matt Damon is in, Matt Damon is being like a good character, a good person. We like seeing him in movies. I think uh, Cooper and Doctor Brand kind of get wrapped up in that same sort of uh, cloth of they have so much reverence for Dr. Man that like, there's no way he'd betray them, but these kind of more analytical uh, machines are able to kind of like, they, they sense something that you the rest of your crew isn't even sensing. And so that's why they go ahead and disable the, uh, like the docking sequence. And I just love that. I, like I mentioned earlier, when Doyle is docking the ship early on, this is when you first get into space. This is the same musical theme picks up when, uh, Dr. Man is docking the cabin decompresses because he hasn't achieved a perfect lock. I love that's, that that scene on the outside of the ship when it's trying to lock on. The clamps are coming up. And it just yeah. keeps going back, back and forth, yeah. back and forth. And that's another forth. example yeah. of like the, the cameras being in a place that would be practical for yes. like the actual crew to see. It, and it, obviously it, it, the absence yeah. of sound when they have in space in this movie is amazing because it'll be intense and then quiet. Yeah, and Sorry, I do I'm like going to gush about this scene. So if we if you guys need to cut me off and be like No, shut it's the cool cuz like I this, gush this, over this, this scene. Is I like, love this scene. To me, I mean, this is by far the best scene in the movie. It's the climax, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um then like I everything about it is like if I black out, take control like yeah, every like, every, take, every little detail in the scene. Is which to fantastic. me it, it builds to like the trust that Cooper now has with uh, these machines he's with because he's he said before he's like the only time I ever I ever failed is when a machine took over. Yeah. And so now he's saying if, if I black out take the stick. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. It's just a little th- kind of it, it could be considered like a throwaway line, but I love that he says yeah, it because think, yeah. it, it kind of builds it, it, it enhances kind of this perception we have of the trust that Yeah, this relationship has development has gone on between him and the machines throughout the movie. Yeah. 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 And I do like the uh how the music cut out here versus the the video call. Yeah, I feel like Tom. it's very different. It's it's different for uh practical reasons too because when it explodes, um all of the uh air gets sucked out and everything depressurizes. So there's no sound. There wouldn't be any sound. That's why you don't hear the explosion. And I I love that. And I also love like the Ah, the my favorite line is is actually at least here. Um, I don't have a lot of favorite lines in this film because oh, that's not right. the point. But he was talking about, um, you know, I do this for all of humanity. 
there is a moment and then he explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part's great. Yeah. <laughs> like melodramatic. It was like it was leading to melodramatic and it was like, ha ha. Okay. Gotcha. You're probably like, yeah, you're probably thankful. Like, oh God, I'm glad that speech didn't go any further. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say like, do we need, do we need more? Like back then, I don't think I was uh, as worried about it. And I was, I mean, especially first time through, you're caught up a little bit more than you are the second, third, fifth times through. You guys had seen this around its release right i actually went and saw it in imax with uh, i went with michael um oh, who yeah. i went to high school with and uh, we shout were, out michael yeah we were super 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 high nerdy uh buddies back in the day and so we were like well let's go watch this it's supposed to be like real science and we were just sitting there gushing like oh my gosh right time dilation right fourth and fifth dimensions yeah, black holes yeah that I was like for the first time on shrooms in my basement. So. Okay. Wow, yeah, that was crazy! <laughs> oh my god, that's an exciting way to. I say can it. only it was, imagine. It was like, fucking wild. Dude. I can only imagine when you got to the tesseract, like what you were seeing, dude. Like, <laughs> I just the reason I asked it got is, a little bit hard to pay attention to. I had to like, watch it like, a couple days later. But like, hey, what the fuck did yeah. I see here? Like, the reason I ask is uh, when we talked about the fountain, Jane and I had not seen it before, yeah. so that was like our first go at it. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of to the detriment of that episode. It would have been nice if I had more. To talk about, I think and I, know, I, I love I love seeing the uh, the the growth and realization. The oh, this detail I remember something about that, and like how it just built, and like that's right. If 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 everyone takes that type of attitude to all of the movies that they see, then they will slowly start to see what we're talking about and how you know this 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 is something that I've developed in myself to see in films. It's not something that I'm necessarily better at than other people because I'm smarter or because right. uh, because I went to school for it. It's something that you have to learn at. Yeah, people are capable of it. knowledge if you want yeah. it. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, I just wondered uh, what you... Because I, I watch this movie several times a year. I love this film. Uh, and I just wasn't sure how... If you're uh, Greenhorn's going into this. I, I knew Jane had seen it a couple times. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I've seen this. This is probably like I watched it for the second time this week today. Um I've probably seen this movie around ten times. Okay, I say I haven't seen. I think we have a lot more times of either. the movies we've added to like our favorites group. I think this is the one we have the most familiarity with. Yeah. as far yeah. as a group, because Up was another one I'd seen it for the first time prior to yeah. doing our podcast on it. It so. blows my mind that you've not seen that one. Yeah, before. just I was so uninterested in that movie. It's crazy that uh, my favorite movie this is favorite kind of movies have changed so much since up since this podcast started because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm excited now to, what i would consider one of my favorite movies is very very different yeah. than that it'd yeah. be good to revisit like uh, not revisit but like uh, redo the segment and do do some more favorites later on mm-hmm. but okay we, we cut off like the the best part of the movie I think. <laughs> um i love the perspective of it because the endurance looks like it's stable and the ship that they're going to dock with is the one that's spinning because it's from the perspective of the endurance. Yeah. And I think they do a lot of fun camera angles with that because then there's different shots of them in the ship looking up at the endurance and the endurance is the one that's spinning now. And it's, it's, it's very fun way to use like these different camera angles to give you a different idea, a different perspective on like what's happening right now. So they do the same thing earlier in the movie when they're leaving earth and they're spinning and then they look back at it. And the Earth is spinning. In yeah, the that's yeah. it. Yeah, because they they start up like the spin to like mm-hmm. simulate or have like a have gravity inside the ship, uh, yeah. like kind of inertia build up in it to the, the to the actual models too. And then I think that's it. It lends um, the fact that they uh, went with uh, the maxatures is why you get this these style choices. I I can only imagine what this would look like in CGI um, if the whole thing was like that. I don't think that you would get the same type of camera angles or perspectives. I think, I don't think that it's, it's a, 
I think it's a choice that came out of the practicality of shooting something like this rather than um, a specific design choice going in. Like, I think they might have storyboarded it once they knew where the cameras were going to go. If you had just drawn, if you had storyboarded this out without, before you knew how you were going to shoot it, I think it would have looked very different. I I believe that, yeah, there's maybe a different vision for this scene early on, like when they're describing it and they're going through the screenplay and the script and figuring out how it's going to look. Yeah. But then once they, once they kind of establish how the cameras are on these, these ships and these modules, I think it just lends itself to this scene so much. Yeah. Okay. So I love this scene. It's my favorite scene ever put to film. Do you guys love this scene too? Or what would you change? What would you do differently? Do you think it's, what do you think of it? I guess it's, it's wonderful. I just don't think that it, um, it compares to any of the black hole shots for, for, for a number of reasons. The, the fact that they, um, were able to render, um, a black hole on film is is just a one is an amazing technical feat and they actually uh like three white papers came out of this um because they they started to learn a little bit um of the physics of rotating black holes and so the the fact that art inspired real life science is that's That's amazing yeah yeah i mean those are my these are my two my two loves physics and film coming together at the same time with really great music which is like you know, Actually, I had, shocked this isn't your favorite movie. It seems like a exactly a Fury. It's, it is, but there's, I love it, but there are things that that I think are that it suffers at. I don't think it's that's fair. You, you'll 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 get my final score here yeah. in a little bit, but uh, yeah. So what do you think, Jaden? And I'm sorry, we're lingering so much on this scene. I just can't fine. help it because it's I just by far my so favorite much. scene in the yeah. movie. I don't think uh, I do. I do like the black hole scene. I do think I like the wormhole scene a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, this is my favorite scene in the movie. I think it makes me feel the most out of anything in the movie, as far as uh, besides just like pure like emotion, like like angst and yeah, just like I'm like on the edge of my seat. Like I get goosebumps just even talking about it. Yeah, this is uh, the, the score plays well with it. Scene. It gets me, it's me jacked up, dude. Honestly, yeah. like, I like stand up watching this scene. Like oh my god, like. I've seen it ten times. Like, what's exactly, gonna happen? Like, yeah. yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's yeah. like I, I know what's gonna happen. And I still like lean forward. Yeah. I'm like, are they gonna dock? Like, <laughs> yeah. is it gonna happen? Like, I get uh, yeah. so excited. Yeah, this, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Okay, yeah, and we can move on from it now. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, what I do like at the end of the scene, uh, you're kind of big. They end up docking, and it works out. And then, because Brand is like, uh, Doctor Brand's passed out because the the g-force is so high she's yeah, i love that you just all of a sudden see her arm fly up when i first watched the movie i didn't know what that was about she just kind of puts her arms up and i thought she was doing like a when you're on a roller coaster you put your hands up and i know that's so silly that i thought that but like i wasn't like i was so more engrossed in like the, the, just the sound of this and like what's actually occurring when it cut to her and she did that i didn't understand what was happening the first time i saw it and then on further viewing it's like oh she passed out because then it, there's another scene where she kind of wakes up uh, once they kind of slow down the rotation and I was like oh I get it but the first time I watched it I was just so engrossed in like what was happening that like cutting to her was kind of like it seemed almost out of place I was like oh show the ship spinning more like so I yeah I actually I thought it was it's so goofy I thought she was doing a roller coaster thing <laughs> <laughs> it's so goofy yeah like well, if this is the end yeah I love what she says might though, as well like, have some fun yeah. yeah so they they slow the rotation and they push out of Dr. Mann's planet's orbit and uh, 
she starts laughing. I think that's what you're talking about. She has like this kind of genuine, like kind of chuckle about like what's going on. Yeah. That they somehow, not only did they survive, they somehow salvaged the endurance out of this whole thing. The entire hope of humanity, not only themselves even. Yeah. And I love Matthew McConaughey's. He's like, and for our next trick, like I just, (laughs) I love kind of the, the, it's such an intense moment. And then it's, it's like, it's backdrop to that is this like nice, fun chuckle like about what just it just how crazy what they just went through is and all they can do is kind of laugh about it and again i think it speaks more to that kind of trust in in building the relationship that brand and cooper have now it's like you know they they have like banter now whereas mm-hmm. before they they were kind of at odds and like now they have banter and i think it just it, it emphasizes this kind of growth in their relationship and I, I love that part at the end and then they check the they check the ship find out like all the embryos are still viable like the backup generator came on they're they're good to go and they're kind of trying to formulate a plan on how do they get to Edmund's planet. There's a problem. They don't have enough fuel to get there on their own. So they're going to have to fly close to Gargantua basically to get a gravitational slingshot into uh, Edmund's planet. Mm-hmm. Going to add a ton of years to their trip. And yeah. at, at this point, it, I, I, I think it shows growth in Coop's character too because now it's like the time it, what's more important now is like we need to accomplish the mission and they're going to add a lot of time and so it's like he it's not like he's not concerned with seeing Murph anymore but it's like it's if now he knows he, now it's not even he's possible. certainly not concerned with seeing Tom yeah which is sad because <laughs> I thought I thought first of all I think Timothy, Timothy Charlemagne does a good job playing Tom yeah. and then I think uh, Casey, Casey Affleck, Affleck does a good job playing Tom so I think Casey Affleck does a Casey Affleck job playing Tom yeah oh I, I like Casey Affleck perfectly expendable yep oh oh I agree. I think he's fine. He has a really good line where he tells Murph, he's like, get out. <laughs> he's like, never come back. I, I think he, I, I, that's like one of my favorite scenes. I I, I like that part a lot. I, I like it when he punches so Topher Grace. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. <laughs> so now I want to talk about, now that we've kind of, we've gone through the docking scene, that whole kind of sequence is almost interspliced with scenes back on Earth. Yeah. Where Murph is trying to convince Tom's family to leave the farm. She rediscovers the watch. You find out that uh, Tom... She doesn't re- rediscover the watch yet. Because right. Because that is um, uh, intercut with right. him in the Tesseract. Right. But there's still like this... like. But it's leading up to it. All of it is is them, that, that tension back on Earth. Right. Um, Do you, you think that that works to have it... No placed within it i think it could have come I mean, after and it would have been just the same yeah I mean, it would have been it would have been better and it would have delivered itself in the same way yeah it was actually i found it kind of annoying like this is you know this is like you were saying it's one of the great it's the greatest scene um in the film it's one of the greatest great scenes like in cinema especially you keep cutting away from it yeah you keep going to the a part that shouldn't be in the film at all it's so it's deeply uninteresting and nowhere near the type of spectacle that this is i'm fine with it being in the film i just edit it in a different way mm-hmm. like I, I think that they were worried that no one's going to be interested in all the earth stuff if we don't also have space stuff in between it and so it's like okay so we need to have this cut with like interesting space that's things. probably a good point and so that's why i think that's why i think it, there's a there's a healthy amount of switching between the two kind of your a plot and your b plot yeah i think because that i think they're clue that yeah your b plot needs to be cut yeah yeah <laughs> you're, dude you might be right uh i mean i i i think it all works but i do get your sentiment i think it's like uh, just yeah we've gotten to the whole the whole point of the film interstellar let's go back to kansas 
So I think now we're arriving at where uh, they're going to enter, they're going to do the slingshot around the black hole. They're going to make their way to Dr. Edmund's planet. I think that's a good way to kind of end this act because I think once you move on to the black hole and what takes place within it and what goes on with uh, Dr. Brand and Coop's character, the tone of the movie shifts at this point. So I'm, I'm okay with like, this being kind of the end of our like second act. Do you guys have anything else to add to the end of this? Nope. Yeah, and it's and it's weird that you say the end of the second act because it's really the end of Coop's second act because at the whole the whole time we still are cutting back to, uh, um, you know, adult Murph. Yeah. So it's it's a weird it's a weird kind of thing to change your tone while at the same time in another uh, scene that's continuing simultaneously that tone hasn't changed. But I agree as far as is this changing for Coop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll move on to the to the third part, which is I think kind of yeah what I said like it, what's what's takes takes place with the black hole, uh, kind of the continuation of Murph uh, Murph's character, the continuation of Cooper's character, and uh, Doctor Brand. All right. And with that, we're going to close this one out. Hope you enjoyed part two of our review of Interstellar, and uh, hope you guys join us for part three. Uh, I'm looking forward to closing this one out. And uh, thanks again for listening to now. This is podcasting.